A man notices bizarre trucks, strangeness in his town, and his sanity is questioned and his thoughts suppressed. What should he do? The sea is a terrifying place, its mystery shrouded by the waters beneath the sea. What happens when one of the deepest, darkest secrets erupts to the surface? There is a man who is rich with personality, overwhelmingly, and I mean overwhelmingly. And Mr. Sandman doesn't appear to be all he's cracked up to be. Welcome, listeners, to your Creepy Story Wednesday. And I have for you four tales by Patrick McNamara to share with you today. And Patrick is a listener just like you. Goes to show how talented my audience is. Now, I've got my old grey, and I hope you have yours. Turn off the lights, turn up the sound, and get ready for something different. My local news is blatantly lying to everyone. My name is Robert Barlow. I don't know what is going on here. I just know that it isn't right. I have never been the guy who believes in conspiracy theories. I actually openly mock those people, to be completely honest. My city is a decent sized city. Our local news has always been reliable. Until about a few days ago, I began noticing strange weather. Even more strange, the local news forecasted weather that obviously wasn't correct. I brushed that off. Then I began noticing that they have completely disregarded a mysterious convoy of dark black semi-trucks that just began appearing in our city. They just sit all around town. Nobody has exited or entered them the entire time they were here. I just figured that would make the news. However, no mention whatsoever. I began getting really unsettled. Then the people in what looked like hazmat suits started to appear. This also was completely skipped over. I became extremely concerned. What is going on? Are we in danger? Why is nothing being acknowledged, or even mentioned. The sky became a dark red hue. The news, acting like this obviously strange occurrence, is not even happening. I don't know what else is going to happen. Why would this city experience anything like this? Out of nowhere as well. It just doesn't make sense. The people in the hazmat suits are going door to door. Surely this would be on the news. Again, no mention. Christ, I've had enough. I visited the station. I demanded to see the manager of that station, and I waited for hours. Finally, I did get to see him. And this is how it played out. Hello. How may I help you today, sir? Maybe you can explain something to me? Of course. What are you having trouble with, sir? The local news has really dropped the ball. A lot of things are happening, and nobody has any idea what is going on. Sir, I don't know what you're talking about. The weather, the semi-trucks, the hazmat workers around the city going door to door, the fucking sky. Sir, calm down. You're acting erratically. I don't want to call the authorities on you. You're going to have me arrested. No security. Sir, you are threatening me. Please, desist. What? 
I just want to know what is happening around me. I have the right to know. Sir, I am going to call right now. Please leave. I didn't persist. I just left on my own accord. Why was he claiming that I threatened him? Why not just escort me out with security? I don't see how this was a legal matter whatsoever. I think I understand why they won't acknowledge the happenings. I can't leave the city. No one can. The police visited my home today. We are here to inform you that you are being monitored. If you violate probation by either attempting to leave or you go near the TV station, we will arrest you. Do you understand? Yes. Can I ask you something? What is going on here? Sir, I have to inform you that inquiring further would also result in arrest. Is that clear? Yes, officer. I understand. Thank you. This probation period is indefinite. We will be keeping an eye on you. Have a nice day. I'm under surveillance. I don't know what is going on around me. I can't get any answers. None of this makes any sense. I'm going crazy. I am just going to have to wait and see. Maybe I take back control. I have that gun just laying around. That's the key to taking control over my life again. I never thought I'd ever do this. Good night, everyone. The ocean is a home to utter terror. The skipper took his boat far out into the ocean. He was living his retirement dream. With a crew of only four, he didn't experience any trouble. That is until they reached 200,000 miles into their voyage. The skipper first noticed the large mammoth dark mass seemingly moving towards the boat. The first mate told the skipper it was a massive shark. It was coming for the boat. Before they could react, the boat shook viciously. After only a few seconds, the boat shook again. An extra ship hand told everyone that the massive shark was repeatedly charging the boat. Then the beast rose from the water. A 300-foot shark with tentacles not unlike an octopus. This sea monster kept stalking the boat. The skipper ordered his crew to use their flare guns on this abomination. Unfortunately, before any action was taken, the entire boat shook again. This time, a deckhand went overboard. Almost immediately, the beast devoured the man. No trace of him left behind. The skipper fired a flare gun right into the monster's right eye. It worked. The beast was partially blinded. The skipper, imbued by the idea of going for the eyes, ordered the crew to shoot the other eye. However, the monster rose from beneath the waves it now created, and in no time at all, dragged the back half of the boat down into the depths, taking the other deckhand and the first mate with it. Three days later, the skipper, having survived the wrath of the beast, by only the mercy of whatever god watched over him, lay sunburned and dehydrated, drifting into a beach in Europe. The skipper immediately fell into a coma, and came out only four days later. To his surprise, the locals believed his horrific tale. 
They informed him that his crew was taken by a beast that usually resides and swims in the deepest, darkest depths of the ocean. It does, however, rarely swim to the surface. Sailors who hunt this beast fail and die tragically. The skipper, forever affected by the nightmare he endured, quietly and tragically, took his own life soon after his release from the hospital. The visions of his men being devoured, and the visage of the beast itself drove him to madness. Walter and his Schizophrenia Walter Corley is a unique individual. He is a whole community in himself. Doctors have treated him in astonishment. The most unique case of schizophrenia ever. He first started to show signs of his condition at the age of 24. He began talking to himself, answering in different voices, voices that sounded like they didn't come from him. He began a romantic relationship with himself, or to be more precise, Melanie. This relationship lasted for about five years. Walter Corley was admitted to several mental institutions by concerned family over the years. He was a model patient. Walter functioned extremely highly for someone suffering from schizophrenia. He worked steady jobs. Doctors could not understand how this man was able to function so well. It was a real psychiatric Rubik's Cube. Corley, as is the case for most schizophrenic patients, did not think anything was wrong with him. At 38, his curious condition became even more so. He would actually, for lack of a better word, morph into other people. He would become whomever his mind chose to be. He changed gender countless times. Doctors were amazed. Nothing like this has ever occurred in medical history. Walter Corley became a full-time resident at an undisclosed psychiatric facility. The following are some of the interviews with Corley and his alter personalities and bodies. Interview with Walter Corley, personality slash new physical body, Julie. Doctor... Hello, Julie, is it? Yes, how are you doing today? Yesterday Walter was here. Did he go away for a while? Yes, sharing this body gets crowded. Not to mention the constant physical changes. It hurts whenever he comes out. It's incredible how all of you actually exist physically and actually change the body. Do you realize that this is something unprecedented? I guess so. Walter gets so exhausted from all this change on his body. He understands that we are in his mind. But now we manifest. This is something that frightened him at first. However, we explained to him that we are just becoming who we are. This case of schizophrenia is the strangest ever. Physical manifestation, gender changes, facial transformations. This is impossible. This condition is uncharted territory. Well, it's all part of our plan. We all really have the same goal. Which is? Simple. Really to have us all become individuals, independent bodies. We are working through it as we speak. End Julie interview. Interview with Walter Corley. Personality slash physical manifestation, Chris. Hi Chris, how are you doing today? Okay, 
We're getting close to becoming our own physical manifestations separately. Walter is fighting it. We took care of him. He died last night. So nothing is in our way now. What do you mean Walter is dead? We killed him. He was a problem. He wouldn't allow us to commence our plan. Our plan is important. We could not have him getting in the way. As horrified doctors looked on, they watched as the body of Walter Kohler began tearing apart. Then out of the pulp that was once a man, eight humanoid bodies suddenly began manifesting themselves. Doctors watched on, terrified as all eight bodies began taking on independent physical characteristics. As they began becoming their own genders, three men, five women, eventually stood where Walter Corley once stood. Doctors were dumbfounded. How is any of this possible? Walter Corley is dead, no doubt about that. But how do you inform his family? Nobody would believe any of this. Killing these eight people would be out of the question. Holding them to study would not help in any way. All these individuals are technically sane. Corley was the one declared insane, and he's dead. A manifestation of the characters inside Walter's mind was impossible. This is not a case of schizophrenia, it possibly never was. They all physically exist independent of each other, all from the literal body of Walter Corley. Doctors contemplated their options. They decided to declare each manifestation as a person. They were all released. Since then, those very doctors have racked their brains about what happened to Walter Corley. Obviously something did. Surprisingly, each of the eight manifestations kept in contact with the facility. So they are definitely independent of each other and living their own lives. Doctors resigned because this bizarre occurrence was just too much. Even more strange, no other case like this were ever reported after this one. So this mystery still remains a mystery. My Night with the Sandman I lay in bed, my mind racing, just wanting to go to sleep. No use. My mind is full of conflict. I have been unemployed for two weeks. I am not used to being out of work. I hate collecting unemployment. I want to go back to work. However, budget cuts forced my company to lay off some people. I was unfortunately a part of that wave of layoffs. My girlfriend decided no job meant no us. So I am experiencing heartbreak on top of everything else. I can't get to sleep. I hear a thump and my closet door opens slowly. My mind focuses on that. Is someone else in my house as well? I see him in the dark slinking around. I wait before I call out to him. Hey, I can fucking see you. Don't move. The man freezes. I continue to address him. I have a gun. I am getting it right now. The man speaks in the dark back to me. No, you don't. I know for a fact that you hate guns. Please don't lie to me. I am only here to help you. I was taken aback by this. How did he even know that I hated guns? I swallowed my unease and continued talking to this man. Who are you? The man stepped closer and closer, 
ever so slowly but surely. He reached over and turned on my light. I got a good look at him. He was about six feet tall. He wore tattered rags fashioned into clothes. His face was strange, though. His nose was hooked. His eyes were black with swirls of blue, faintly specked all over his black eyeballs. He spoke. Well, I am what you humans call the Sandman. I am here to help you rest tonight. I sat up in my bed and looked back at the Sandman, with a look that must have amounted to a look of defeat and hopelessness. The Sandman must have noticed that. My child, what troubles you so deeply? I see that you are depressed. I am here, and I will listen. So, talk to me, my child. I cautiously began opening up to him. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm out of work, my girlfriend decided to leave me, and I'm scared. To be honest with you, life is not favoring me, and I fear that I may never get back to working again or find another girlfriend. My child, I understand you are frightened. Life is unpredictable. Life is terrifying. You seem quite intelligent. You humans worry so much. It really saddens me. I want to help. I am hesitant because I am a monster. By definition, of course. I have been doing this for millennia and beyond that. Humans usually lose their sanity once they gaze upon me. I am unsettled, particularly at not going insane seeing you. I know how people are. We are afraid of differences and terrified of what lies beyond our understanding. I come to bring you rest and dreams. I come to alleviate your suffering, even temporarily. I yearn to alleviate suffering permanently. How would you do that? I would give everyone an eternal rest. No waking, no suffering or pain, no worries. Dreams should be our entire lives. You're saying that you want to have everyone sleep forever? You will kill everyone, slowly but surely. Death is nothing more than everlasting sleep. It is not a bad thing. Nobody wants to die. How can you not see that? I see everyone spiraling down and down into an abyss of utter chaos, a swirling vortex of endless devastation. I want to help end all of that. Killing people on mass scale would only cause mass panic. You would initiate so much pain, so much suffering. No, I will not. It will be peaceful. I can be a savior. We can recycle society, return into a new world, a better world. You want to be God? You want to reset the entire planet? Why would you want that? I just don't see the logic. Maybe it's above my mind's capabilities. I just don't understand. You humans would rather suffer than embrace a new utopia. You are all foolish. God is not what you think God is. It is not a simple concept. You imbecilic humans have no idea. You pray and you worship your own ideas. Nobody realizes that the Almighty is busy with the universe, 
that they don't have any time to focus on humanity or Earth. God is constantly expanding the universe. New galaxies are created every minute of every day. Humanity is so arrogant and so self-involved. They can't see that they don't matter. Nothing matters. Life is only life. Anything anyone does never makes a ripple in the solar system, let alone the universe. You don't want to be God, or to be a better being. You seek power and authority over humanity? You want to eradicate our Earth to create your own? Mine would be a utopia. Don't you see that? Earth would become the most advanced civilization in the entire universe. Humans would be at the top. When you get sick, you eradicate the illness or whatever is wrong. I only want to eradicate you and everyone else on this planet. You are all weak. You are all flawed. I am sick of being confined to the shadows, to the night. I must be free. I must achieve my potential. My full potential is to become God. You are also flawed. You are bitter. And you are a liar. I know what you are now. You're a creature of the void. God, or at least the essence of what God is, knows what you are. And there are rules that limits you from stepping out of the shadows, out of the night. You have a limited power for a reason. God knows what you want. And it will never give it to you. And I know the rules. And as do you. You're in our world, not the other way around. And you're powerless to stop me. You dwell in the darkness, the void, and your desperation to kill and destroy places you so far away from the idea of what a god should be that it sickens me. How dare you visit me and pretend to care about my issues. You are a monstrous liar. I no longer welcome you. You are dismissed. Good night, Mr. Sandman. As I suspected, he was unable to resist my will. To have him leave me alone, he vanished from sight. I prayed that he never visits me again. I am not a strongly religious man, but I know that there is a force that keeps that monster under lock and key. And that very same force keeps him busy, so he will never be a danger to anyone or anything. I also came to realize that my issues are only as devastating as I allow them to be. I am able to find a better job, to find a better love. I can see so very clearly now. I drifted off to sleep with a new positive outlook and decided not to allow failure to control me. I will be allowed to reach my full potential. I know I will. Goodness, just brilliant. I think my favorite story out of the bunch would be The Ocean is a Home to Utter Terror. It has this HP Lovecraft sort of feel, the combination of the monstrous unknown, the terror-stricken captain, and the devouring of the deckhands. That one has it all. Brilliant. Which one was your favorite? 
feel free to leave comments below in this episode and let Patrick know what you thought of his story and offer feedback. Remember, if you're being critical, be polite. There are people behind these stories, of course, and it's feedback that will help them grow into amazing authors. Have yourself a bright and beautiful day or devilish night. And as always, till next time. time.